Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. God's presence, can we celebrate the Beckoners? Such a gift they've been to us. Such a gift the Beckoners are. We celebrate you, your dedication, your work, and the grace of God upon your lives. I celebrate them once again. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's been a while. <laughs> it's the longest I've spent away from the pulpit on this Sunday. You know, uh, first I would like to appreciate Pastor Peace. <laughs> yeah. I remember listening to the teaching from my home and it was so powerful, so powerful. And to think that he was just aware that morning, that even makes it more powerful, really. Thank you so much for that teaching three weeks ago. Uh, one of the things that really stood out for me in Pastor Peace's teaching was the fact that sometimes we're very conditioned by biblical narratives as postulated by preachers. So there's a way if someone presented Jephthah and Gideon to you, you're likely going to choose Gideon because you've heard Gideon talked about in more brilliant lights. You've heard him talked about in a way that makes you want Gideon. You understand? And it just tells you that you don't just take things in scripture at their face value or their hearing value based on what you've heard over time within the body of Christ as far mainstream narratives. All right. There are people that God wants you to just spotlight and pattern your lives after. And I mean, I remember when Pastor Dilly was doing an exegesis on King Solomon. Oh dear God. I pitied Solomon that day. You know, it was very in-depth. And that's the power of meditation. You're not bamboozled by narratives. You know the way the media sells a narrative to you, and that's what everybody assumes is the truth. How about you investigate the Word of God yourself? It's like visiting the site of the event. You understand? Excavate, you know, do your archaeological testings, do everything. Check for that which is true. Prove all things. So that the next time you see Gideon and Jephthah, you choose Jephthah. Praise the name of the Lord. That was such a powerful teaching. Celebrate you once again, Pastor Peace. God bless your heart. And then, of course, the hearing of faith. Pastor Timmy, that was explosive. Such a powerful teaching on God's word, especially with respect to boldness. Because that's the antidote to fear. To fear. Powerful teaching. And then last week, by the grace of God, we had Pastor Yinka Adebayo. Such a powerful teaching as well. Let's celebrate our pastors for being such fine servants of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Today, by God's grace, we'll just be taking it a step farther. Still on the shield series, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I hope you're not tired yet. Praise God. The word of God is new every morning. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. You know, Minister Timulane has done a fantastic job at heralding this teaching, the choristers as well. And it's amazing how we never get to share notes. Nobody sent a memo. This is what pastor is going to be teaching about and, you know, organize your thoughts around this. No, the Holy Spirit just organizes it himself. It's really remarkable how, how he does that. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Father, we give you praise. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. From verse 18, I'd like you to open your heart this morning because some things are going to be happening to you while I teach. While I teach, 
the Lord will be planting heaven in your heart. Yes, you'll be planting heaven in your heart. Be planting heaven in your heart. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. The Bible says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen, it says, for the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, does it mean we shouldn't look at things that are seen? I can see Pastor Peter, I can see Pastor Nick, I can see P.I., I can see you, I can see everyone. So does it mean when I'm driving on the road, I should close my eyes and keep looking for the things that I cannot see? If I want to cross the road, I shouldn't look sideways. <laughs> Praise God. Is that what the Bible is saying? No. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, while we do not put the pressure of performance on the visible realm, while we do not look at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, ephemeral. Take them for what they are. We do not count on the temporal. We do not rely on the temporal. We do not put our weight, our trust on things that are fleeting and transient. While we look not upon the things that are seen. Because to look upon is to have expectation. Bible says, Peter looked at that beggar and said, look what? Upon us. Look upon us. That look is a different type of not just see us. Look upon us with expectation. Look upon us with a demand. Look upon us with some trust and some assurance that something is about to come in my direction. By just looking at these guys. Look upon us. He says, we do not look upon things that are temporal that way. We do not look at things that are fleeting with expectation of performance. While we can look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. And the things which are not seen are eternal. How do you look at what you cannot see? How do I see what I cannot see? How do I look upon something that I can't see? You see, the scripture is so powerful. You've got to just believe that it's true. Sometimes it may not make sense to your carnal mind, but just believe that it's true. If you follow the network, you would arrive at the destination of understanding. Just follow the network. It may not make sense initially. While we look not at the how do you, what do you want me to look at this unseen things with? Because how do you look at the things that cannot be seen? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. The Bible says, for we understand by faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. So that the things which are seen were not made out of the things that did appear. Hmm. That means the grandparent of all creation is something that cannot be seen. Which is the word of God. Hallelujah. For by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen, visible, temporal, on this earth were not made out of the things that did appear. It was not a visible material that God used to create every visible element in the creation. He used an invisible material. That invisible material is the word of God. Because the worlds were framed by the invisible word of God. So when the Bible is saying in 2 Corinthians 4.18 that we do not look at the things that can be seen. He is saying we need to look at another dimension that produces every visible reality in this realm. He's saying we look on the word, simple. 
Hebrews chapter 12 then wraps it up. Thing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. Let us therefore lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we understand in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, that he had his vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So when the Bible says looking unto Jesus, he's saying looking unto the word. Looking unto the word. While we look not at the things which can be seen, but at the things which cannot be seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which cannot be seen are eternal. What is it that cannot be seen? The word of God. Because by the word of God we understand that the worlds were framed. So that the things which appear were not made out of the things that, or the things which are seen were not made out of the things that did appear. That is the content of the material used to create everything you can see was not visible which is the thing that the word of God is asking us to see and look upon and that which cannot be seen is the word of God and Hebrews 12 2 also tells us that we look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who just happens to be the word of God Jesus is the word of God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was with God in the beginning all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of man and the light shines in darkness and darkness could not comprehend it hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 god who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past through the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world Ooh, he made the world through his son hallelujah he said he being the brightness of his glory the express image of his person what is the sub what is that component he used in creating the world it is the word of god he says the word of god is the brightness of his glory the express image of his person you will not get a clearer picture of god apart from his word Jesus can appear to you right now and he expects you to verify him with his word. He's not going to be offended. He has exalted his word above his name. He's in front of you right now. And then you are judging him by his fruits. Is it an alignment? Is it in alignment with the word of God? Because the word of God is the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Upholding all things by the word of his power. The word of God is the brightness of God's glory. The express image of his person. The word of God. Oh, glory to Jesus. What a gift to be blessed with, by, through the word of God. Hallelujah. How do you look on things that are not seen? By looking on the word. By looking on the word. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 6 begins to explain to us a very interesting, a very interesting story of Elisha. All right. The people of Syria. All right. The king of Syria. Gehazi. All right. All right. It was a very interesting story. How that. Syria and Israel were about to combat in a fight. 
And then Syria was planning his strategy in the chambers of his room or his office, right? And he would call his generals and his army officials. And he would tell them, this is exactly how we're going to attack them. We'll hide here. And boom, boom, boom. That's exactly how we're going to get them down. And then he will send them out. And then before they know what's going on, an intel would have informed the strategy of Israel to change their location. Based on the intel that the king of Syria and his army generals spoke in their privacy. How was he getting this intel? And it happened a couple of times and they realized that somebody is talking to the people of Israel. Somebody is speaking against us in the camp of Israel. Somebody who knows what we're talking about here. And then one of the officials said, there's nobody, there's no mole in this place. There's no mole in this place. There is a man, his, his name is Elisha. He's the one, as you are saying it, he's hearing it. As you are saying it, like he's, he's a prophet. There's nothing can do. We need to just arrest him. There's no way out. That if you like, change the strategy hundred times. You hear it hundred times. There's nothing you can do. So he said, "You know what? We're gonna arrest that guy." And then he gathers the soldiers, <laughs> and they went to Dothan, where Elisha was. And Bible talks about how very early in the morning Gehazi stood up and then he went out. We don't know where he went to, what he went to do. But he went out and he saw the old city compassed about, surrounded. Wow. And Bible says he was afraid and he was anxious. And then he came back. He said, alas, master. They've gotten us, you know. And then Elisha did not know where to start from. See, Elisha did not know how to really help him. Because Elisha prayed a prayer that was really powerful. Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see and appreciate what I already can see and appreciate. But he, you see, he needs to be able to see it with his physical senses because that's the only way he knows how to receive and relate to these things. So he, he begged God to open his eyes so that he could see what Elisha could already see. And the moment his eyes were open and he saw he saw the city encompassed with angels and chariots of fire. You see, in that moment, would you need to confess to believe? Do you need to walk up faith in that moment? Listen, this is what and how faith prefers to work. If I have to confess and confess and I'm not yet seeing, that faith will not rise. Faith always rises to the level of your revelation. You don't have to be confessing and believing that, oh yes, angels are around me now. He could see it. The moment he saw it, he could no longer be afraid. There were realities in the physical that had not necessarily changed. But the fact that it was a way of a parallel universe that had a capacity that trumps whatever it is that the physical environment was posing as a threat, he no longer had the capacity to be afraid. He no longer had the capacity to be afraid. And look at what Elisha said. He said, open his eyes, not deliver us. Not deliver us. This is one of the biggest challenges in the body of Christ when it comes to how we interact with God. You are asking God to deliver you when he has already delivered you. 
the prayer you need to pray is God open my eyes to see the deliverance you already have provided. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people do not get the answers to their prayers. Because they are asking prayers from God that God does not have the capacity to respond to. Because God has to first acknowledge that he's a liar before he can answer that prayer. If he has already made provision, and you're saying God made provision, he has to first deny that he has made provision to now answer the request that you just made. Because he already made provision. Hallelujah. He has to first say, I'm a liar. I didn't do what I said I, was, I, I could do. I, I, I have not performed what I promised. So let me make another promise. He has to, you have to go back to the last promise. Hagar took, his, took her son away from Abraham. Oh, well, they sent her away, more accurate narrative. And then she got to the wilderness. And the supply of water and bread had finished. And then both of them were hungry, tired, famished. The boy was about to die. So she cast her away from her. And she went to another side. That I'm not going to watch my, my son die. And she began to cry. She began to cry. And the Bible talks about how that God heard the voice and the prayers of the boy. Amazing how Abraham had taught the boy how to pray. Amazing. Amazing. God is not just hearing your cries. He's hearing something beyond your cries. He's touched by the feelings of your infirmities. But he's not necessarily moved by your emotions. And the feelings of your infirmity He's moved only by the word of God. Perhaps this boy said something that moved God. Because why did God say, I have heard the prayers and the cry of the lad. The lad. It was clear who God got attention. And then God looked at the woman and said, look beside you. Are there many people who die beside wells? Are there many people who die beside deliverance? Because we're praying the wrong prayers all along. Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver me. And there is a well of water right beside you. You are dying of thirst, but you are right beside a well. And so the greatest need of a believer is not deliverance. It's not money. It is an enlightened eyes. It is for the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. To be flooded with light. So that you see all that the Father has made provisions for. Those are the kind of prayers that God likes to hear. Oh, Father, I thank you because all things are already prepared. All things are made ready. So that while you are expressing a parallel contradiction, you are not faced. You are not fearful. You are not afraid. Because you know that there is a parallel provision. That while you are about to slay your son Isaac, there is a lamb caught in a ticket. Are you seeing the provision even in the presence of the need? But if your eyes of understanding is not enlightened, you would only appreciate the things that you can see, taste, feel, and smell. That is what it means to be carnally minded. You are only able to appreciate the things that you can see, taste, feel, and smell like Gehazi. And until God made a spiritual element physical, he really could not have faith. And that was predominantly the way God related with children of Israel and every other person in the Old Testament. Because they couldn't really appreciate anything that they couldn't see, taste, feel, and smell. It was the protocol of Sinai. They had to see everything. They had to watch everything. They had to observe everything. Even Moses was afraid on that mountain. It was not only the children of Israel that were afraid. Bible says even Moses was exceedingly afraid. Everything had to be reduced to a physical conversation. Everything. For the children of Israel to be able to relate and participate that is a low level of spiritual intelligence if God has to become a performer just like Pastor Peter shared with us God has to be a performer make everything he has said into an actual drama before you really believe what he has said the word of God is the brightness of his glory the express image of his person 
So back in the day, God had to step it down to a physical realm for the children of Israel to appreciate. Right now, there is no Mount Sinai anymore. We are in Mount Zion, but you can't see Mount Zion. You can't paint Mount Zion. You don't know where Mount Zion is. Mount Zion is situated in your spirit, man. Mount Zion is a consciousness away. It's a consciousness away. It's, it's the eyes of your understanding you use to see the things you cannot see. Because that's the only way you can see the word. You see, when you see the word, faith is planted in your heart. Why we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that cannot be seen. You look at the things that are seen with your natural eyes. You look at the things that cannot be seen with your spiritual eyes of understanding. This is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 4 again. Earlier verses, if our gospel is hid, it's not because they are blind naturally. If our gospel is hidden, it is hidden because the God of the world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine on their hearts. For God who commanded his light to shine out of darkness has shined in our heart. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But not in his natural physical face. Because Peter drowned in the presence of a physical Jesus. Right in front of Jesus. This is Jesus in front of you. Peter drowned. How do you drown in the presence of Jesus? The presence of a Jesus whose word you will not believe will do you no good. Because the Bible says he saw the wind. He stopped seeing the word. Jesus was a non-necessary component of his walking on water if he believed the word. The presence of Jesus was not a necessary component to him walking on water if he believed his word wholeheartedly. Perhaps the presence of Jesus was to save him should he sink. So when, when you're overly insistent on natural excitement, things that excite your natural eyes, your feelings, you're already straying away from the path of righteousness. Because Peter sank right in the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus was trying to let them understand that I've exalted my word above any other expression of myself, including my physical presence. In three and a half years, none of you had enough faith to heal a sick man. With my presence! But I left, the Holy Ghost lit every single word I'd spoken to you, made it come alive in your spirit. And boy, 3,000, 5,000, people getting saved, sick people were getting healed. Almost overnight, what happened? The word had become flesh. The word had become life to them. Even his physical presence could not achieve that feat. The eyes of your understanding is what you use in seeing the word. Are you still with me? That's how you see the word. <laughs> you see the word. So you need to see the word. It's not enough to hear it. You need to see it. This is what meditation does. It turns the word into pictures. So you can see it and lambano it in the heart of your mind. In your spirit man. You will see it. And the moment you see it, you are already moving in the direction of that which you have seen already. Let me show you something really powerful. Jeremiah chapter 1. I, I was blown away by this. Hey. See, study your Bible. But that's not the end. 
That's not the end. Study your Bible. But see, when the word of God begins to paint pictures, that's when you're really getting the very best from the word. Ah, so Jesus, or rather God was explaining to Jeremiah that I've called you before you were formed in your mother's womb and all those interesting stuff. And then Jeremiah kept giving a lot of excuses and oh, reasons why he's not the one that God should use for whatever it is that he wanted to do. <laughs> and then God tried to keep convincing him, you pull down, you tear down, you build, you plant, all those things. And then verse 11 really, really shocked me. See what the Bible says. Bible says in verse 11 that moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And Jeremiah said, I see a rod of an almond tree. By the next verse, God said, I wasted my water. Wait, you have not said anything. God's word came to me saying, what do you see? It was even a question. He didn't, say, he didn't say anything. Just asked the question. Then Jeremiah said, I see the word of an almond tree. And then God said, I will perform. What has he said that he is to perform? I need you to get into this narrative with me right now. I look at Eniola, I say, the word of the Lord comes to Eniola. Saying, what did you see? And then said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And then I said, I will watch over my word to perform it. What are you going to say next? What, what are you performing? You have not even said anything. Because you know what the Bible says? It said the word of the Lord came. So it was a word that came. And then we've gotten to the conclusion. He said he will perform it. Where in this entire discourse did the word of God show up? Because the only thing God says is a question. He has not even said a promise. Amen. <laughs> this is how you think when you read scripture. What had God said that he was going to perform? There was something Jeremiah saw. He said, I see the rod of an almond tree. That picture alone carried powerful spiritual energies. An utterance locked up in number 17. Ah, so, so what God was doing was that he packed. He packed like. Say what he would have needed to say in two days. What he would have needed to say in a vision, in a trance. For like two weeks. What you would have needed a seminar. To impart into your spirit. For like two, two weeks of teachings he condensed it in a picture he condensed everything he wanted to tell Jeremiah he condensed it into one picture and he said I'll perform it I've said everything I want to say this word is sufficient to convince you to convict you to stand you up your feet to get you out into the nations and begin to do the things I've told you to do I don't need to say any extra thing because you've been stressing me He only told him to see a picture. What happened in number 17? There was rebellion in the camp. Korah, Abiram, and Datan. They came against Moses and Aaron. And said, they were sons of Levi themselves. They said, who, who made you prince over us? We are also sons of Levi. Why should you be the one to be receiving all the prophecies? 
Why should you be the one to, give it, to be giving all the instructions and becoming the leader of us? We also have power. Bible says they were renowned men. So they gathered unto themselves 250 other guys who rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Then, of course, Moses was upset. The few times he was really upset. And then he said, see, see, you want to try me? I'll be, wait. If people would die normally, I'm not called, though. But you still die anyways. You just imagine that. I'm not called, but you still die. But to show that I'm called of God, the kind of death that nobody had ever seen before is what would destroy you guys. And, of course, the ground opened up and he swallowed them. But that was not the end. You would think that, you know, the children of Israel... You just saw people die the most grotesque death you have ever seen in your life. And you know fear. By the next day, you have killed children of God. You have got to kill people that did not offend you. Why did you touch them? Who sent you message? And they began to you know, antagonize and rebel against Moses and Aaron all over again. How many people do you want to kill now? In fact, guess what? Because of that rebellion, Moses was not the one that instigated the plague this time. God by himself just reacted. And the plague started in the camp. About 14,000 had died. And in fact, God didn't even tell Moses that he had started the plague. Moses just knew God and God got so much, he knew that the plague had started. He knew how God would respond to dishonor, rebellion, and all those things. And so he told me, Aaron, he said, get a censor, get a censor. Go stand between the living and the dead. And just raise up an offering. And the moment Aaron did that, the plague ceased. 14,000 had died. There was 50 that died the previous time. 14,000 had died. So God gave Moses wisdom. Now let us sort this matter out in a way that nobody can deny it. Everybody in the house of Israel, bring out your rod. Write the name on your rod. Write the, the name of your head on that rod. And then he took the rod of Levi, the tribe of Levi, and, and he wrote Aaron on it. And then he carried that rod, all those 12 rods, and he placed it by the instruction of the Holy Spirit, into the ark, or rather in the, in the presence of God. Because the, it had not been transported into the ark as at that time. And so it was just in the presence of God. So he put it in the presence of God overnight. And God gave the protocol for choice. He said, the one that buds is the one that I choose. And so, by the next day, only Aaron's rod had budded. Only Aaron's rod. Which was a clear sign of who he had chosen. So if you have issues with anything is God you go and fight we didn't make ourselves lords over you God chose Aaron in fact he said now before it used to be anybody from Levi that could be a priest now only people from Aaron could be priests so that was how the Aaronic priesthood began remember he had been saying that do not look at their faces because you will face resistance he had been trying to encourage Jeremiah that see you are young does not mean you cannot tell people the truth into their face and let them understand the things that they are doing wrong to contravene the covenant of Israel. And so just tell them the truth. And Jeremiah was feeling small, feeling small, feeling small. That what if they come against me? What if they attack me? What if they attack my integrity? What if they don't receive my word? What if, what if? And God painted a picture to him. And then he saw the rod of an almond tree. He said, I see it. Anybody that tries me. Who will you show up on site? You didn't get that. Some of you have not been listening to good music. He said, if anybody tries you, what's the next line? Uh -huh. it's... Some of you still don't know. Ah, it is well. You've been listening to too much. and <laughs> Praise God. All right. So God 
condensed all of that experience that Moses, Aaron, the children of Israel, the, the, the judgment upon their lives, he condensed everything into a picture. And then he planted that picture in the heart of Jeremiah. And he said, I don't have to say a word. I have spoken everything I want to say in this picture. Once Jeremiah latched onto that picture, God said, I will hasten my word to perform it. You just meditate to a point where a picture rises in your spirit. Latch onto that picture. God has said everything he wants to say. This is how God speaks. So his word must become a picture. It must become a hope. It must become an imagination. The moment you see it, you are not trying to have faith anymore. That's the reason. Many people are hearing, but they are not seeing the word. And that's why, no matter what Elisha says, you will still be afraid. You have not seen the chariots. No matter what Elisha tries to say, don't worry, don't be afraid. Let me encourage you. In fact, this is the word of God. Open his eyes. There's no need to be saying too much. Just open, let him see what I see. The word of God must become sight and sound to you. It's not enough to just say, I hear, oh, I read, I studied. The word of God must become life. God was telling Jeremiah in that moment that if anybody comes against you, you see what I did with the children of Israel who came against Moses and Aaron? That's exactly what I'm going to do for them. I will hasten my word to perform it. You have seen everything I want to say. There's no need to say anything. He had not said a word, but he had said everything. He just planted that picture in the heart of Jeremiah. You need to see the word. You need to see it. See it. And how you see the word is with your eyes of understanding. So as I'm speaking to you now, it is your eyes of understanding that's relating with the things that I'm saying. Based on the other parts of scripture you already had in your heart. If you don't have enough scripture in your heart, your eyes of understanding is still looking at a light in a dark place. That light is still flickering. It's not yet dawning. It's still flickering. The more of God's word you put in your heart, the more meditations you place on that word, the more light comes out of it. And then the more you can utilize any word that comes within the neighborhood of the word you've already known. You need to be able to see the word. That's what my teaching this morning is. I solve the fear extinguisher. See, that word only showed up once in the entire scripture. And it's in the book of Revelations 3. Jesus was talking to the Laodicean church. <laughs> the Laodicean church were loud. <laughs> and they used to do loud, loud. <laughs> Very loud. So they were the richest church on earth. They were the coolest church on earth. Everybody liked to be part of the Laudation Church. They wanted to, you know, these were the guys that every other church wanted to come around and learn about how they did their stuff, learn from them, do conferences like them, bring ministers from their, from their network and stuff like that. So they had a reputation that they were doing well. And then Jesus' estimation of their performance was that they were naked, wretched, and poor, broke, finished. And he said, this is my counsel to you. Come and buy gold. So that you can be truly rich. Come and get garments that are white, linen, which is symbolic of righteousness, so that you can be clothed. And he says, come and get high salve. Use high salve and anoint your eyes that you may truly see. Yeah. That you may truly see. 
If you're walking this earth only with your natural eyes, you're blind. That is the estimation of heaven over your capacity to see. Because you cannot see parallel provisions in another universe. You can't see it. The same way Gehazi could not see the provision of deliverance that was already around the mountain. He was afraid, not because deliverance had not been released, but because his own eyes were not open to see it. You see why the most important prayer you should pray are the Pauline prayers? Are you seeing the essence of the Pauline prayers now? Because the Pauline prayers help you to situate your prayers in the most accurate context. Can we pray in the spirit for one minute? Because you don't listen to teachings like this with your ears. You open your heart. Ilakapa. Ashenata. Ezuboko. Parata. Elebreketa. Pelazo. Eletombra has the Galicia. Pretendo si flandes takada. Elo pratasike prostalija. Ereketeli brostala vebrigi. Ekoko padi. Amen. Amen. Spiritual things are very tangible. The word of God is more real than your neighbor sitting beside you. Do you believe that? Yes. More real than the clothes on your back. More real. The word of God. Because he created everything you can see. The word of God. The word of God. In the Old Testament, they could not relate with God's word because their, their spirits had not been upgraded. So they couldn't relate with the word of God. In the New Testament, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to understand. That's the greatest gift God gave us. The ability to understand his word. Which is what the Holy Spirit comes to do. John 16, John 14, John 15. You will see all the ministries of the Holy Spirit tied around the ability to help you understand the truth. He will lead you into all truth. You have heard it but you don't know it. Whatsoever things I have spoken unto you. Is that what Jesus said? He had said it to them, but they still didn't know it. Because that you heard it does not mean you know it. You need to see it as leaked by the Holy Ghost. So the, 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 the two men going on the, to Emmaus, they knew the word of God in terms of the letter. But it had not become life unto them. It had not become a bread of manna. A pot of, it was just a table of stone. So they were just saying things like, oh, this, yeah, he was going to die, yes, and all of that. He has died now. We don't know where he's going to be raised. And then Jesus looked at them and said, you fools and slow of heart. Ought not Christ have reason after his sufferings? And the Bible says, beginning at Moses. Jesus could have said, I am Jesus. Why didn't he do that? We need to prioritize the things that God prioritizes. He could have said, this is Jesus. I have died. I have risen. Do you believe now? He could have appealed to their natural senses. He could have. It would save us all the stress. Do you know the distance between where he cut them and then Emmaus and then back to Jerusalem? Jesus could have just shortened all of that by saying, this is Jesus. Open their natural eyes to see me as Jesus. He could have done that. And then that 
Trip will just be cut short right there. And they will turn back on their way to Jerusalem and, and they will start saying, we have seen Jesus. Jesus did not talk to them on the premise of natural sight. He said, beginning at Moses, he went that far. He went that length, beginning at Moses, and then the prophets, and then the Psalms, and all the scripture. He began to expound concerning himself, and the truth was not sufficient. So he entered into their house, and he began to share, and he began to share. And after he got to a point where they, he realized that they had gone to a tipping point of understanding, after he broke bread, they saw him and he disappeared. Because he never wants you to tabernacle around that. He never wants you to tabernacle around just the presence, the physical. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The height of God's expression to you is his word to you. Understand that, receive that, and you will understand what it means to have the Father and the Son sup with you. It is in the place of revelation knowledge, in the place of meditation. He opened their understanding, verse 45. When he went back to their company, all right, when he appeared to them and they didn't believe and all of that, he began to open their understanding. He still did not say, this is me, Jesus. Come and look at my hands and all of that. Yes, he did that, all right, for those who were not believing. But the primary and dominant way he wanted them to be established was that he opened their understanding that they could understand the scriptures. Verse 45. He opened their understanding. He opened their understanding. And we live in a world that is extremely dominated by sights. Extremely dominated by sight. You see someone who performs a wonder. Do you know that when the Antichrist comes, he will perform wonders that are real, that are verifiable by science and technology. And Bible says because of the reality of these wonders, a lot of people that even almost the elect will be deceived. Because when they see those things, they will be almost deceived to say that this is the real guy. But he's still not the real guy. Because nothing verifies the word apart from the word. You don't use things to verify the word. You use the word to verify things. And so they will see those things done in the heavens and they will be like, they'll be like wow, this guy is the, is the real guy. He's the Christ. But he says, don't follow him. Because he's an antichrist. Even though he will do things that would appeal to your natural senses, you would almost be following him. Because it's exciting to do so. It's really engaging. You, you, you excite your mind and your soul. But he says, that's not how. You look at the word of God again. It doesn't matter how fantastically Paul preached today. We'll go back to the scripture. The Berean Christians. Don't use that one to bobo us. The word of God said what? What did you say? Let's put it side by side. That's the kind of believers that God wants to raise in this end time. People who cannot be swayed, tossed, tore and fro by winds of doctrine or the slight of men. Whereby they lie in wait to deceive. They're able to discern the truth of God's word. So that they can grow up into him in all things. There is a change in era. So back in the Old Testament, all they could see was Mount Sinai. And even Moses himself was afraid. But the Bible says, we have not come to a mountain that can be touched. We have come to Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I've come to Mount Zion. Ah, Allah We've come to Mount Zion. We've come to the city of the living God. We've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Ah! We've come to the 
heavenly Jerusalem. We've come to the innumerable company of angels. You see why Elisha could not be afraid? Because right around that place, he was in Zion. Gehazi was on earth, but Elisha was in Zion. You may not always see all the Zionic components, but they are there. You must be able to see it with your eyes of understanding. You can't see it with your natural eyes. And God will not step it down to a natural sense to you because you are not Gehazi. And that era is gone. If you don't see it with your eyes of understanding, you will just never see it. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. To God, the judge of all. To the spirit of the just man made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. To the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Look at the things that are available in the invisible realm to you. At all times. All times. So, so what, what does, let's check it out. What does the city of God and the heavenly Jerusalem presents to you? It presents to you the intimacy with the presence of God. You have come into the presence of God. So I don't go into the presence of God. I carry the presence of God. Because I'm always in Zion. In my heart. In my spirit. I am in Zion. You see, he said the time will come where we will not go to a mountain to go and worship God. We'll be able to worship him with the spirit and the truth. That is wherever the truth is, that's where the spirit is. The truth is God's word. Every time light comes in your heart, regarding the truth, you have entered into Zion. In spirit and in truth. So we get into fellowship and intimacy with God's presence. That is what the city of God and the heavenly Jerusalem presents. The innumerable company of angels presents God's power and the ministry of angels. At all times. This is not something that God will deploy. He's already there. Because he will not say God deliver me. He said open his eyes. And God cannot answer some prayers if he already has answered them. You are already accepted in the believer. And you are coming to God and say Lord accept me. How does God answer a prayer like that? He will just open your eyes to see that he has already accepted you. And then you receive his word regarding you. Because if he answers that kind of prayer you were praying before, he has to first agree that he's a liar. And by two immutable things that makes it impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie to placate your emotions and make you feel a little, you know, make you feel okay. He will not deny himself just so that he can make you feel all right. So he has to agree first that he's a liar. What he said before, he didn't mean it. He didn't do it. So let me now do again what I already said I will do that I obviously did. But your prayer is already invalidating. No. He would ask that your eyes be open. And if you are not asking that your eyes be open and you are not willing for your eyes to be open, there is nothing God can do. As you are crying, he will cry with you. Innumerable company of angels. God's power and the ministry of angels. So every single time you are walking down the alley in Bagada or wherever it is... <laughs> And it's at night, you, come, you understand where you are. You may be on earth and in Bagara in that moment, but you are literally in Mount Zion. This is what you need to understand. That the eyes of your understanding needs to be able to upgrade you into two parallel realms at the same time. Where even though you are in Dothan, you know you are in Zion. Because for Gehazi, he was only in Dothan. Elisha was in two realms. His eyes had been opened. He saw what Gehazi could not see. He saw. And so, you are within the uncountable. Any count would have sufficed. Because angels are that powerful. Any count, a thousand, two thousand, it would have sufficed. 
But he said, these ones are uncountable. Every time you enter into Mount Zion, you are within the presence of the innumerable company of angels. He says, you have come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn with names written in heaven. Hallelujah. You have come to the company of believers with a record and a backing in heaven. That means whenever you go to a Bible-believing church, Bible-teaching church, that Jesus Christ is the head of that church, your names are written in heaven. Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, my name is written in heaven. Oh, say that with confidence like you know what you're saying. Have you heard some preachers tell you things like, if we die today, will you make heaven? Yes, I will. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you die today, you know where you will end up? I know, ma. Glory to God. We have come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn whose names are not being written. Written. Written in heaven. Not with pencil. Hallelujah. Company of believers with a record and a backing in heaven. You have come to God the judge of all. That is God's justice and vengeance are present with you at all times. You see, it is his vengeance that makes you able to live at peace with all men. This is the reason why we can live at peace with all men. Because I will never be the one to fight my battles. Never. There is nothing you can do for me, against me, all right, to me, that should justify me to do a clap back in that sense of fighting carnal weapons with carnal weapons. No. The reason why I can live at peace with you is because I have a God, of, a God that is called the judge of all. He's the judge of all. I don't even want to say God will judge you. I'm in Mount Zion. The judge of all is seeing everything. You do this kind of thing, I will be praying for your forgiveness. That's the best I can do for you. But that you will do something to me, against me. And I carry the Abrahamic covenant upon my life. The one that says that whoever curses you is cursed. Whoever blesses you is blessed. I don't need to say a word. I'm in Mount Zion. That covenant is active. It's active. There is a God called the judge of all. He judges both the quick and the dead. The living and the dead. He can judge a dead man. Ah. He can judge a man that is dead. You want to now try me. And then the judge of all will be looking. And not judge. <laughs> the judge of all. Oh. Not the judge of some people that have bribed him. And then some other people that. The judge of all men. The one you cannot bribe. The one you cannot lobby. The one who is in alignment with his word. My covenant will I not break. Neither will I alter anything that has gone out of my lips. If I have said something. Ah. It cannot be undone. His counsel cannot be reversed. He's called the judge. This is where you are now. But are you aware of these things that I'm saying? This is Mount Zion. That's where you are. There are angels all around. Can you imagine this? But you can see it when you read the scripture because it's, it's there in scripture. We have not come onto a mountain that can be touched. We have not come to a place that can be excited with sensual touches. No. I've come on to Mount Zion. But you can't see it if your eyes of understanding is not enlightened. You can't see it. You can't activate it. Because the moment Elisha knew where he was, he said, okay, Father, now that they're here, let's just strike them with some blindness. Let's just, let's just, you know. Someone who didn't see that, who didn't see where he was, said, Lord, deliver me. There are many that rise up against me. Many that see of my soul, there's no help for him in God. But Elisha responded with a certain decorum. Ah, 
was appealing to God to open the eyes of a partner. Not his own. His prayers were different. The way he related with the environment was different. He was in Mount Zion. The city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. Ah, the, in the presence of the innumerable company, company of angels. Company. That means they shield you. Company of angels. Impenetrable. Impregnable. Unbreakable. Untwattable. Innumerable company of angels. The general assembly of the church of the firstborn. Whose names are written in heaven. To God, the judge of all men, both the living and the dead. The spirit of just men made perfect. Hey, this one is exciting. Every situation you find yourself, there's a patriarch that has experienced it for you. A patriarch. So every time you find yourself in a dire situation, understand that all the spirits of just men made perfect around, right about, around you. The Bible says we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That means if the experience you are going through is resident in something, something can share with you wisdom and insight in that moment. In that moment. He said, don't make the error that I made. Restrain your steps now. Delilah and Morio. This, this is Delilah. See, ah, this is Delilah. And then Samson will speak to you in that moment. And then Joseph will come upon you. And then Paul will, will speak a word in season. Because you are in the presence of the spirits. You see, listen. He didn't say the spirit of adjustment in the state that they were on earth. He says they have already been perfected. All their errors have been turned into insights. All their errors. So when David is speaking from that realm, he's not speaking as the one that slept and that killed. He's talking from a perfected realm. He's talking from a realm that he can do a far better justice at advising you in that space than even if you met him live on earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are, you are, you are with Abraham, the father of faith. You are with them right now. You are with Noah, the ark builder. You are with all these guys. You are with David, the man after God's heart. You are with, every one of them is right beside you. If you are conscious that you are in Mount Zion, these people are there. The spirits of the just man made perfect. That's where you are. That's where you are. The wisdom from the cloud of witnesses and the patriarchs of faith. Barak, Jephthah, Gideon. They are all there. Sharing with you insights of the good examples they laid. And insights from all the errors that you should avoid. The lies you should not tell. Isaac is there. Joseph, Mary, they are there. The spirit of just men made perfect. And look at the chances of failure. How it has been reduced to nothing. Because this is a cumulative wisdom. They did have them. They did not have themselves. To counsel them like we do have them. Do you understand? Abraham did not have Abraham. Paul did not have Paul. David did not have David. But we have all of them in consummate anointing. All around you. At all times. And you find yourself in a situation where your boss is about to lambast you. Or you are in a situation in a corporate environment. Nehemiah is there with you. Nehemiah can inspire you with a word in season. And it will give you a word in season to speak to that which is against you. And you will speak that word. And your boss will not be able to resist or gainsay you. Because it will give you a mouth and a wisdom of which none of your adversaries will be able to gainsay or resist. Nehemiah was there. Ezra was there. Or you are building a place. You are building, you are building. And you are like, Lord, which anointing do I need? And the Lord says, there is Nehemiah here. 
There's Zechariah here, the son of Edo. There's Haggai, the prophet. Prophesy. This building will be built. The hand of Zerubbabel that planted this cornerstone, it will perfect it. And the spirit of the just men are there. You are in Mount Zion, sir. Everybody else is only seeing you in your little corner. That room is loaded. So you live in one bedroom apartment. No, you live in a one bedroom apartment on earth. You live in Mount Zion in another realm. The eyes of your understanding only needs to be enlightened. So you can see it. Your prayer point will change. It will change. The way you will respond to some false prophets will change. They will delete your number. They will block it. Do you know the prophets that do all this kind of, they will just get numbers and they will call you and they will start prophesying things. They will, they will hear your voice and fire will hit their ears. Because this one dwells in Mount Zion. Dwells in Mount Zion. It dwells in Mount Zion. Look at the things available to you. The spirit of the just man made perfect. Jesus the mediator. It means there is constant intercession and covering for you. Everybody, it does not matter what is going on in the environment. It does not, Sakpa has nothing on me. Nothing. Whatever. It does not matter. There is intercession and covering. Two for seven. The only person that had the right to condemn you is the only one that has chosen to make his lifetime preoccupation interceding for you. His lifetime preoccupation. Who is it that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, he that is also risen and is seated on the right hand of God in majesty. Who also maketh intercession for you. The only person that could have said you failed is one that is saying you must succeed. The only one that had the right to cast aspersions on you is one that is interceding for you. What are the chances that you will fail? Except you are not enlightened. Except. Except you are not enlightened. Jesus the mediator. There is no prophet between me and God. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. There is only one mediator. One, one. One mediator. Because you have come to the blood of sprinkling. I like that. It's not a tap that, 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 that focuses on one spot. It's, a spa. it's the blood of sprinkling. There is, there is a way the blood does not discriminate. It's the blood of sprinkling. When you are sprinkling something, you cannot coordinate where it lands. You have sprinkled it. It's the blood of sprinkling. Say, I'm, I'm a liar, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a fornicator. It's the blood of sprinkling. God did not even know, but the blood touched you somehow. He, he sprinkled it. He didn't target the Israelites alone and say, oh, the blood that, that pours on the Israelites. No, it's the blood of sprinkling. He sprinkled it on everyone. If you are willing to receive, he's willing to accept you. He's willing to accept you. The requirement in his presence is not holiness, it's boldness. Yes. He doesn't say come holy to the presence of God. He says come boldly to the presence of God. To obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. You come boldly because the blood touched you. Otabai Karastaida. The blood touched you. It's the blood of sprinkling. He says this blood is a speaking blood. So anytime somebody carries your picture, hey, hey, they carried it into one Dagon's, one Dagon's apartment. And, and they brought the Ark of Covenant into Dagon's apartment. And Dagon wants to stand. Uh, where, where, where will he say he smoked? Dagon. Dagon. And they carried your picture. That's the last time that person will ever use anything like that. He will just change his policy. I don't accept pictures anymore. <laughs> pictures. They will carry, you know, Abba list upgrade their policies. That's because
because the last time they brought a picture of a man on fire into their herbalist, what do they call the place? Shrine. They knew what they experienced. That's the last time they will collect pictures. They will tell you to go and do your due diligence. And they will tell you the profile of the person that you must not bring. Just because they entertained your picture for a season. By the next day, they gone had broken. The first time it fell, just to warn them, then they tried it again. All its body parts had gone. Hand, legs, head, everything broken. You, you want to put Dagon and the Ark of Covenant. And you are that Ark. Anywhere this, this, anywhere Mount Zion is, that's the Ark there. That's the Ark there. How can you carry this atmosphere around? How? And the devil wants to call your name from a shrine and you will answer from the... I don't understand. The blood of sprinkling. That is a speaking blood. It speaks better things. It doesn't speak vengeance. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Forgiveness, access, atonement, remission of sins. Whew. This is what you carry around everywhere you go. But many people's eyes have not been opened to see it. Many people are like Giazi. They see their account balance red. But they don't see their balance in heaven. They don't see it. So they can't rejoice in the presence of a red account balance. They can't rejoice. And that's the atmosphere of Zion. It's joy. That's the only way Zion understands that it's around. Once you are in Zion, you can't be moody in Zion. So guess what? All of you that are getting excited. I don't know. It's like people. There's a status symbol for depression these days. It's like, you know, you want people to just make you think that you are trendy and woke. You have to feel like you have expressed depression a couple of times in the last two months. Just to feel like, yes, I'm, I'm still in this trend. Every time you get into depression and sadness, it's because you have lost perspective. You have lost it. You have lost perspective of Zion. That's why. They only sing in Zion. They were in Babylon. They said, sing out towards the songs of Zion. Do you only sing in Zion. Where do you want to be in Zion and be moody. Even in Babylon, they could sing a song of Zion. Ah! Yet, things will be happening around you. You are not able to raise your gaze beyond the realm of what you can see, taste, and smell. And look unto Zion. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situations, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, side of the north, city of the great king. So you activate Zion every time you rejoice. You activate Zion. Do you want to do some activations right now? We don't need to plan for it. Can you activate Zion right now? 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 This is Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Woo! The innumerable company of angels, the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. God, the judge of all, the spirit of the just man made perfect. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. All these things are seven. Seven things you carry around. Ah. Every time your eyes of understanding are enlightened, these are the seven things that are waiting for your command. Waiting for your command. So Elisha knew that, see, the innumerable company of angels can blind any group of people. So blind them. 
Your prayers will be different. Lord, help me. Help is here. He said, I'm your very present help in the time of need. There is nothing you are looking for that is not already in the word. Let's have our seats. Praise God. Nothing. Nothing. So there is a season in your life you feel like many there be that rise up against me. Many there be that say of me there is no help for him in God. This was not David speaking. It was He was narrating his... I don't know the English of Elia. There's no, there's no English for it. People that mock you. People that are saying there's no help for you in God. Let's see what your God will do. We'll throw into the lion's den. You're doing it too, no. You are the only one that can serve God. I don't know that can pray. Oh, yeah, now. You're God's favorite. You're, you're, you're King, King Darius' favorite. Oh, yeah, now. Let's see how you'll be negotiating with the lions. Many there be that say of me, there is no help for him in God. Psalms 3, verse 3. But thou, God, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. But you know the protocol that presents that faculty? It's in Psalms 84, verse 11. It says, the Lord will be your son and your shield. He said, he will give grace and he will give glory. He said, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And these things are found in Zion. He says, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appearing, appearing before God in Zion. Every one of them. 84, not 34. Every one of them. Appearing before God in Zion. How you activate Zion is by rejoicing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace. He will give glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Hmm. For thou, O God, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. Verse 7 talks about how that they go from strength to strength. Let's check it out. Verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them. Appearing before God in Zion. What is the strength of Zion? It's the joy of the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Never let the devil steal your joy from you. He's trying to exit you out of Zion. He's trying to usher you away from Zion. That's not the kind of ushering service you should receive. No. Don't let the devil get joy out of you or get you out of joy, whichever one. Because you are both in joy and joy is in you. Praise God. That's the dominant atmosphere of Zion. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So we're going to sing that song. I got joy towards the end of this teaching. <laughs> so so you, need to, you need to, in your room, sometimes just imagine that you're in Zion. Just see Zion. See God, the judge of all. See Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. See the innumerable company of angels. See the blood of sprinkling. See the general assembly, the church of the firstborn. See the spirit of the just man made perfect. That just really excites me, you know. The spirit of the just man made perfect. Romans 15 verse 4. Peter is not angry that you are learning how not to behave through him. He's not angry. He's been made perfect. He's not offended. You learn and not make that same mistake. That's why it's written in scripture. Romans 15 4. All things that were written are time were written for your learning. So that you through the comfort of scripture might have hope. That this thing that is happening to you, you are not the first it will happen to. But don't worry, you can overcome. You can overcome. David is here. Isaac is here. The spirits of the just man. The cloud of witnesses. 
Father, we give you praise. So you need to understand that there is a parallel universe. There's a parallel reality. Apart from that which you see, taste, feel right now. There is another realm that you are also in. So you need the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, to be able to see it. Amen. Fear will engulf your heart if all you see and acknowledge are the things that are physical in your environment. Gehazi was afraid because he saw things that were fearful. So God will not, he won't counter what you have seen with words. He will counter it with sight as well. That is why your words must become sight. The things that you are hearing as words must become sight. So that you will find a certain sight that contravenes and superimposes on whatever it is you have seen in the natural realm. He will, he will just give you a picture. The way he gave Jeremiah a picture. And in that picture, he had packed like 10 teachings. He had just packed it. The, the rod of an almond tree. Wow. Jeremiah knew because he had been studying his Bible. So that's the whole idea of studying your Bible. So when God gives you a picture, you know all the things connected to it. And everything God is saying by just saying that. Because God did not say a single word to Jeremiah. He didn't say, now that the word of God has come unto you, go ahead, do this, do that. No. He just gave him a picture. What do you see? If you interpret it well, then I've spoken. I've, I've already said everything I want to say. Can you see what I need you to see? From the word. So you study the Bible until it becomes a light. Because that's all pictures work with. You take a picture in the dark, there's no picture. Pictures work with light. Until that word becomes light. And then it is plastered on the tables of your heart. As a picture. And then you see it. Once you latch onto that picture. You don't need to find the, what will make that picture happen. Don't worry. It will happen. It will drag you into performance. Hallelujah. So your heart will be engulfed with fear. If all you see and acknowledge are the things your physical environment presents to you. Every crisis is actively telling you something. Every crisis is actively telling you something. There are things your spiritual heritage and atmosphere is also telling you. But you can't relate with that with your naked eyes. The eyes of your understanding needs to be enlightened. The eyes of your understanding is the receptacle for the realities of heaven. If you become aware of what heaven says regarding that situation, instead of being afraid, you will begin to rejoice. Because that's the only valid reaction to heaven's pulse. How did David respond to Goliath? Everybody was looking at David... As a giant who had a history of battle, they were looking at him from a very fleshly standpoint. Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. So even men that are not of God, we, we interpret them through the lens of scripture. So when David arrived at the valley of Ella, he was not looking at a giant who could kill people who had been fighting from a child. He only looked at him relative to what the word of God says about people that are not circumcised. So it's the way you interpret things. So you look at that giant corporation and you are coming into that industry as a little, you know, little company with a few staff and you want to disrupt giant organizations. Obviously, by the time you read the CV and the profile of these corporations, your heart will sink in fear. Do you think if David meditated on Goliath, he would have the liver? They had had 40 days to meditate on Goliath. None of them could lift a sword. None. They had been soaked into his fear. But a man coming with fresh perspectives, he came and he said, if I don't kill this one quickly, I will start looking at him. I will start looking upon him. I will start examining him. Why we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. So he looked at Goliath and he began to interpret him through the lens of scripture. 
Because scripture divides the world into two. Huh? It's the Jews and the Gentiles. It's the Jews and the heathen. The circumcised and the uncircumcised. That's the only way, as at that time, David interpreted anybody he saw. So he looked at Goliath. Is he a Jew? No. That means he's a Gentile. Is he circumcised? No, that means he's uncircumcised. So his response reflected his interpretation. He said, who are you, you're, who are you this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? And that was the anger with which he dealt with him. Because he was no longer seeing him on the level playing field of battle, you know, combat, man to man. No, this was not a Jew against a Gentile. This was not a man under covenant with a man who had no covenant over his head. Father, we give you praise. You need to be able to see things from the perspective of the finished works of Jesus Christ. Stop asking Jesus and God to do things he already said he has done. He has accepted you in the beloved. Receive the acceptance and move on. Stop asking God to do what he already said he has done. He's perfected you. He's doing all. Just accept it. Stop praying prayers that deny the validity of God's word. He's your shield. He's the lifter up of your head. We won't be able to go into the Pauline prayers today because that's another kettle of fish because that's really where we're going because when your high eyes of understanding is enlightened, <laughs> you, will see the, you will see things the way God sees them. You will interpret data, information, the natural way. You will see things the way God has designed for them to be seen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, we're going to be wrapping up with a shout again because it's important that we do that that's how you respond in zion that's how you respond in zion that's how you respond in zion how do we know you 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 have caught the spirit of zion is the joy is is the song of zion so can we rise up on our feet right now let's rise up on our feet so when when the word of god comes to you don't just ask for e hearing ears. Ask for eyes that see. Mm, ask for eyes that see. Not because you want to be a prophet that will be seeing things. No. You want to see the word. You want to see the word. Right now you are in Mount Zion. Right now. Right now. So if somebody is trying to buy you in a business deal. The judge of all is with you. As you are signing that document, the judge of all is there. The mediator is there. The advocate is there. The true lawyer is there. So you are so at peace when you operate from this realm. And every time you, you imagine Zion, joy wells up in your spirit. It's joy. That's the only reaction. That's the only reaction. Father, we give you praise. So I need you to rejoice with understanding. Because it takes the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened for you to see the things that are in the word for you. There are real estates in heaven for you. Real estates. You need to see it. God uses his words to paint pictures. When he was going to leave his disciples, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, in my father's house, he didn't have to see all those things. He said, there are many mansions. He said, if it was not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. So that where I am, you shall also be. He was using his words to paint it was painting those pictures faith was welling up in their hearts because they were troubled they were overwhelmed he says be of good cheer i have overcome the world 
This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You've got to see the word. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. You know, hearing the word, studying the word, reading the word, you need to see the word. John said, We looked upon him. We looked upon him. You know what? You know what David said? He says, They looked upon him and they were lighted. They looked upon his word and they were lighted. And he says, And their faces were not ashamed. He says, You have made us to eat of the fatness of your house. And you have made us to be drunk with, with what? Yes, the rivers of your pleasure. He says, With thee is the fountain of life. And he says, In your light. We see light. Psalms 36 verse 9. In your light we see light. It is when you see the word that you are living the life of. You will live the life. They will be saying, how, how, are, you, how are you escaping this famine, this destruction, this dollar, dollarization of things? How are you escaping it? Because at famine and at destruction, you shall laugh. The word of God. A thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand at your other side. None will come near your dwelling. Only with your eyes will you see and behold the reward of the wicked. When others are cast down, you shall say there is a lifting up for you. The Lord will show you marvelous kindness in a strong city. It's one of the strongest cities in Nigeria. The Lord has shown me marvelous kindness, not tertiary kindness, not a little bit of kindness, not something that you know just to go by. Marvelous kindness in a strong city. He said he would enlarge the space under me so that my legs will not sleep. Errors are violated in my path. Errors, I am not permitted. I'm not permitted. He would enlarge the space under me so that my legs will not sleep. Me only Because the Lord has enlarged the room under me. He said I will dip my feet into water. He said, the rocks will pour me out rivers of oil. That stingy corporation, that stingy uncle, that stingy governor, he will sign the contract. He will pour you out rivers from flinty rock. Yes, rock. Where nothing like water shows up. Water will come out for you. That's the word. This is how you see the word into prophetic motion. You push the word into prophetic motion when you see them. You see it. Your horn is exalted like that of a unicorn. Are you hearing these things? It has anointed your head with oil. Your cup runs over. And you are seeing the cup run over. And it's not just a momentary running over. You literally have to create a system that can capture the, the turnover of the runover. Do you understand? Because that thing does not stop running over. Why waste what is running over? So you create a system so that gallons are flowing out of you. And you see it, you see it. The Lord looked at Abraham, he said, look on the sky. Are, are you seeing, can you see, can you see the stars of heaven? He said, that is exactly what, what I'm trying to do with your life looks like. That's the closest I can find in the earth realm to depict what I'm trying to do with your life. Can you, can, can you talk the sound of the seashore? Can you count them? That gives you an idea. It's not even the best that I can do. It's just an idea within this realm. God will turn his word into pictures in your heart. And until you see those pictures, you may not be able to arrive into their destinations. So whenever you go and pray, what you're looking for is a picture. 
inside the word let it be planted in your heart that was the picture that kept Joseph through all those 13 years that picture one picture just kept him through those years because the word had become flesh it became an image are you ready to rejoice while you are rejoicing the Lord will plant a word in your heart but guess what everything I said now are things that I already knew I'd read and studied then they became life they became pictures of hope and so don't worry you don't have to be the biggest Bible scholar in the world that one you know it will become a picture and you'll be surprised how much God will do with that picture in your heart this new week we're about to get into because the Lord has introduced you to the eye salve he has anointed your eyes and now your eyes can see can you rejoice right now can you rejoice right now can you rejoice? 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 I got joy. I got joy. I got joy. Wait, where are they? Where are they? I got joy. I got joy. I got joy. I got joy. Connors, where are you? I got joy, joy, joy overflow in my heart. Quickly, quickly, quickly. But hey, wait, this is a warning. You have never danced in this church. I'm warning you. I'm not smiling. I'm warning you. You dance. That's the atmosphere of Zion. Don't do spree, spree hell. You dance. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Quickly, I've got joy, 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 joy overflow in my life. I got joy. I've got joy, 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 joy overflow. before his God was dancing before his God and Milka his wife disregarded him and dishonored him and then of course you know he responded with violence he 
say it is the God that chose me ahead of your father. He's the one I'm dancing before. He said, in fact, I'm not even going to play more before him. So listen, for ladies, this should be a prerequisite. Can he dance? Remember, she was the only one that was barren in scripture because she despised the man that was in praise. She despised the man that was expressing the joy of the Holy Ghost. She despised him. Hallelujah. So one more time. I want you to dance like David danced. I want you to dance like you understand what you're trying to do. I got joy. I got joy. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. announcements quickly wow what a word for more messages connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at powerpoint tribe